Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Kinetic Life Podcast, brought to you by Kinetic Renew. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your way to your dreams, your goals, and your success. We'll be fueling that with key information on topics like health, science, tech, and lifestyle, coated with a few laughs along the way. In this episode, would you rather eat bacteria or the virus that kills them? Microbe Robocop. They built it, but can they control it? Virovore, the next great predator. Weird science. Advanced technology uses a robotic tongue for better tasting, creamier chocolate. Plus a few tips and tricks to help you on your journey. And now we begin. Here's Michael Chalaboudis and Dr. Mark Hertzberg. Hello and welcome everyone to another exciting episode of the Kinetic Life Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Chalaboudis, with my good friend, Dr. Mark Hertzberg. That is me over here. But we've been through that already. Let's get things started with a little bit of uh, electricity. Ah, I feel the electricity in the air. Lightning, in fact. Greased lightning. Lightning and lasers. Lightning. What's cooler than that? I don't know. Lightning and lasers. What else begins with L? <laughs> lasers can control lightning. Well, that's what the new research is showing. The new research. Well, originally, lightning for years has been, I guess curtailed or redirected through lightning rods. Some measure of control. <laughs> the idea is lightning looks for the easiest path, electricity, the easiest path to, it's heading in a general direction, which is down, grounded, and it will always take the path of least resistance. So, oh, Ben Franklin came up with the idea of giving it a metal rod, an extremely good conductor, putting it on top of the very flammable buildings of the time, <laughs> and the any lightning in that general area, uh, its path of least resistance would be the rod instead of anything on the house or the tree next to it that could fall into it, and it would then be led through wires to the ground. So, But the problem with that is that rod maybe covers with a thing, you know, from a redirect, let's say, about 10 square meters they talked about. But if you're trying to protect an airport or much larger area, you need a lot of lightning rods or something that's even higher up. Or or can reach further. It's very hard to build a a two-mile tall lightning rod (laughs) and its width. But there's another way to uh, entice the lightning to you. So I believe this was, was in France? Uh, they did this study. I think it was on one of the mountains in the Swiss Alps. Well, that would be oh, not, Switzerland. Uh, I mean, uh, it's not important. People can look it up. <laughs> Scientists someplace discovered that. Uh, they used a, a high-energy laser that I believe had a, a, like an energy burst every one second. And they put it shot straight in the air above the lightning rod. And they found that... Instead of a lightning rod. (laughs) No, but they had the lightning rod there as well. The, uh, but they were going for miles, not feet. (laughs) Yes, yes. No, of course. Um, And they found that it increased the range of the lightning rod 
that was there because I redirected it towards the lightning rod, but instead of having a 10 square meter coverage, it was over 500 square meters. But ultimately, you don't need the lightning rod. Correct. The way this works, basically, what's a lightning rod? A lightning rod is a conductor, which means it's something that the electricity moves through better than the air around it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the laser ionizes the air it's going through. What that means is it knocks electrons off so they're kind of free. What does electricity like? Free electrons. To move, that's how it moves. So they make this corridor around the laser, and the lightning just loves it. That's a couple-mile free ride. Yeah. Downhill all the way. Protects a much larger area. And, um, I mean, you, you obviously need a consistent power source, but if you're trying to protect a big building or city, it, it makes sense. You'll... Have, have that power source to protect it um, but they actually in the, in the video which will uh, we'll add the link to the uh, the podcast but it they showed the lightning actually bend towards the direction of the laser so they were able to redirect it which uh, we it's like Zeus now mm. we're controlling the lightning well that's the thing where we need mad scientists, Ro. They were just saying that lightning coming at you, in general, you can make it go to a specific point. But for years, people have wondered about the science fiction, uh, military spending, just people being nervous about directed energy bolts of shooting electricity as a weapon. And one reason that you taser somebody is a moderate amount of electricity can knock someone or disable someone instead of killing them, like Star Trek's phasers on stun. But if you take a anything that produces a huge amount of electricity, you have no idea where it's going. It could go... It doesn't even have to go generally forward. You could uh, shoot what you think is an electric gun and it can shoot at you or behind you. So you have no... You can't control the boat yeah. like Zeus... In the pictures, mm -hmm. controls it. That's why the taser sends wires. They're like the lightning rods, and they take the electricity towards where they end. Of course, there's also a limit on how that, because you got to get the wires there, they got to stay there, and they can only handle so much electricity. Well, nobody mentioned it here, but if I wanted to build a powerful lightning thrower to, I don't know, attack cities until Superman comes and saves them from the evil <laughs> mad scientist, what if I com combined it with a laser where I would shoot the laser at the target, not unlike taking rifles with laser aim. Yeah, laser guided. Okay, but this guy, instead of the laser showing me where I'm going to shoot the bullet, this literally will pull the lightning bolt along. You then have this big electric charge, and it will follow the laser's ionized trail to the target. I should now be giving a real mad scientist... <laughs> <laughs> Kinetic Life Podcast is sponsored by Kinetic Renew. 
Kinetic Renew is a four-ounce shot of all-natural ingredients that deliver some amazing benefits, like improved mental clarity, long and short-term focus, and improved memory and cognition. Plus, Kinetic Renew improves mood with the added benefits of anti-stress and anti-anxiety. Here's what people are saying. I drink a bottle of Kinetic Renew, and I'm in a better mood. It's like waking up on the right side of the bed. (laughs) It's great. My mental focus is clearly better. I do notice that I have better clarity. Definitely improves my mood for sure. It reduces my stress. Visit KineticLife.com today. Log on now and use promo code POD1 for 30% off. That's 30% off your order when you use promo code POD1. KineticLife.com. K-I-N-E-T-I-Q Life.com. Do it now. You're going to love Kinetic Renew. Mark. It's a microbe eat microbe world out there. So you're just taking the violence down to a smaller scale. Well, yes, of course. Oh. It's micro violence. And yet, if you add up the mass of all the microbes in the world, it's much greater than all of the living animals and plants you can see. Mm. So you're really expanding the violence subtly. Shh. Don't tell anyone. And they say, I'm the mad scientist here. <laughs> So, instead of spraying plants with a antibiotic or some sort of pesticide uh, to, to kill the, the microbes to reduce, you know, listeria and E. coli outbreaks, the new uh, a new spray has been created using microbeads and bacteriophages, which are viruses that attack bacteria. Right, and the microbeads are made out of these viruses that attack bacteria. So those viruses, they just attack everything and everyone. They'll get their comeuppets one day or one article or something. <laughs> but yeah, so, but can you tell us more about the, the elegance of this formulation? Well, I mean, bacteriophages or these specific uh, virus that they're talking about bacteria is kind of an umbrella term but uh, attack not all bacteria you mean you can get a virus specific to a bacteria you want to get rid of correct leave the other bacteria alone are you a good bacteria or a bad bacteria (laughs) (laughs) well in these situations uh I'm trying to find the name of the virus that they used here. The sure name of the virus? You might... No, they just said bacteriophage. Yeah, they don't... Of course, they don't but give... It's just but, a phage they're going through. But it is a plan to use for industrial use, specifically to attack salmonella listeria. Listeria, mm. actually, if you've ever seen uh, a video of listeria on the micro level, it um, shoots holes in cells, mostly cells in your gut, which then give you diarrhea. Not a good time. Especially when, according to another episode, there are microphones listening for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, if you ever take a second and look up, you know, Listeria under a microphone. Uh, the episode before this one, episode 14. Listeria is a, is a scary little bug, and it just gives you the runs. usually, you know, it's food-based. Listeria, that sounds like Listerine. Is Listerine supposed to attack Listeria? No, that, that gives you fresh breath. Oh. Lysol. Nope, that's about lysosomes cutting things open. Okay. So, industrial use, spray foods, lettuce, etc., to help 
you know, curtail the spread of, you know, salmonella and listeria and other, um, you know, bacteria that were food-based and harmful. But, which I think it's an amazing application. The question is, does, does it have any impact on your gut biome? But also, would you rather eat the bacteria or the virus that killed the bacteria? Mm. Mm. Short answer, I would say the bacteria, if our choices are having salmonella or... I mean, that's short answer, I would say the bacteriophage and or the virus over the bacteria. I don't usually like eating viruses or bacteria, but when you deep fry them... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Pan sear it. A little, mm. little, little bit of garlic. Mm. Some parsley. Wonderful. Good eating. <laughs> um, I guess the question, like any, you know, applicant to food, how much, if, you, if you're in abundance of intake of it, how does it affect your own gut? I understand specific bacteriophage, but you have a pretty prevalent gut microbiome. You know, there might be some similarities of a good bacteria in your gut to uh, to maybe a salmonella, and you know, depending on what it's targeting. And if they have nothing to target, well, again, it also, uh, how long do these uh, viruses survive? Are they once they've killed off the bacteria there? What happens to them? Do they then start changing their uh, menu if there's nothing for them to eat that they'll attack, or do they just die off at that point? Well, I mean, I, mm. you must assume that there is some limiting factor that's being tested because they wouldn't be they they would have mentioned in the article if these things uh, could go on because if they stay around for having nothing to eat, they will change. Yeah, I mean, at first I was like, oh, you just hit everything with a little bit of UV because most of the viruses are pretty weak in that and they'll deteriorate. But I guess it's all virus dependent and. You're going to hit the vegetables with UV after you just sprayed it with something? Probably not. Yeah, especially this, since then more bacteria can come on. What you need is, therefore, I guess, a tanning spa for the bacteria in your gut biome. So they have their own little UV lights to turn on when they, oh, viruses. Yeah, but then it also fry the current bacteria. So I'm... Interesting technology. It makes sense on paper. I would be very curious to see what more research uh, shows from at least human application. I do not want to be the human they're testing it on, on their gut. Um, but um, we shall see what the future takes us. All our dreams can come true. If we have the courage to pursue them, Walt Disney. However difficult life may seem, there's always something you can do and succeed at. Stephen Hawking. People begin to become successful the minute they decide to. Harvey McKay. It always seems impossible until it is done. Nelson Mandela. It does not matter how slowly you go as long as you do not stop. Confucius. What goes around comes around. Ah, uh, the first virovore. Ooh. It's a carnivores, omnivores, herbivores, virovores. If the virus is attacking the bacteria and everything else, and everything attacks something and eats something, 
then what eats a virus? You know, it's funny. In, you know, uh, you know, uh, for fauna, larger creatures, the bigger the creature is, usually it's, you know, the bigger creature wins. You know, the bigger the fish, there's always one bigger fish one. out there. But lots of little things will always win. Yeah, well, in this situation, when you go in the micro, it's your virus is smaller than the bacteria. This virovore is even smaller than the virus. It's like the smaller it is, it keeps killing up. But I guess they do it in mass. But they go internally. If you're smaller than something, you want to be so small that you're not a good meal. Mm. So let's say a T-Rex will eat a lion. So you don't want to be a lion that the T-Rex saw. But if you're a tiny little mouse, the T-Rex won't even know you're there. And enough tiny little mice uh, could uh, cause problems for the T-Rex. They could crawl up uh, in the middle of the night and choke it. Oh, you ever seen uh, Suicide Squad 2, the second one? No, which is really not the second one. It was uh, the second first one. (laughs) Yeah. It was... we're going to introduce this thing again. Well, they have a giant creature and, and using mice to... Spoiler alert. Mm. Using mice to kill it in the end. Large quantities uh, of the tiny rat. The, there's the idea of... Uh, they say, how come an elephant is scared of a mouse? And people say that must be a myth. It is not. Elephants have great ears and mice are, make lots of loud, high-pitched, irritating sounds. But the elephants don't have very good eyes. And they can't tell where the sound is coming from. It's just this loud, annoying sound, and they have no way from nowhere. So it does unnerve them. Did not know that. Okay, we're getting off topic. Tell us about this virovore. Well, they figured viruses make good eating. They're basically nucleic acid, lots of nitrogen and phosphorus. There's not much else to them, meaning they're just important components... Uh, in fact, they're such pure that people argue whether they're alive or not. So they don't have a lot of extraneous wasted stuff. They don't, you know, that's why they have to uh, use your cells mechanism for them to reproduce. They are stripped down to the minimum, which means they're good eating. So they just basically figured there must be stuff that eats them. Okay, we know that you accidentally eat them. That's how you get sick. The virus is in and on things. So you got to realize for every time the virus gives you a cold, there must have been how many trillions of viruses you digested. Yeah. Which, by the way, trillions of viruses sounds like enough, but, but you put them together, you might not even be able to see that. Mm-hmm. The, uh, so they did these tests where they would uh, put in... Uh, the uh, halitaria? No, no, so that was, was what they it, found. They put it, in... It was an allergy-based uh, and, allergy, and then the virus that attacks allergy, which is uh, chloro... chlorovirus. Okay, a that's fresh word inhabitant of green allergy. So they put in the virus, and then they started saying, you know, tracking what happened in what areas. Is there anything that seems to be thriving under it? And they found that uh, a microbe... A ciliate microbe, I believe that means it moves around with cilia. cilia. Yeah. So it would look like a centipede, kind of. Or like a, a little body of a cell with a lot of little hairy-like things working as oars. Mm-hmm. And this particular one is called halteria? Am mm-hmm. I pronouncing Yeah, right? halteria. 
It sounds like a country that Groucho Marx would become the prime minister of. <laughs> Hell, health area. And this thing seemed to be eating it. So then they uh, isolated and they put the Halitaria and the uh, virus together. And they saw that when they came back, there was nothing else in there for the Halitaria to eat. The Halteria multiplied 20 times over, I think it was, yeah, and, and it, only 1% of the virus mass was left. Mm-hmm. The hundredfold drop in the in the chlorovirus and massive increase in Halteria concentration, and bam, we have our first viral war. Right, and the thing is, it doesn't mean that this is anything special or unique, because the first time they went looking for it, figuring it must happen in that microenvironment, they found something, which means there must be things like this all over. Because mm-hmm. if this was unique, the idea of the first time you're looking, you find it right away, uh, is really unlikely. So now the question is, finding the right virovore out there for viruses that are detrimental, yeah. influenza, whatnot, and then... You. Well, this this would be similar to, and in this case, accidental, when they found the fungus that ate the bacteria, uh, and you call it penicillin. penicillin. Amazing what nature could do. Yeah. You have to be looking in the right spot. It's unnatural. Success is survival. Leonard Cohen. There is little success where there is little laughter. Andrew Carnegie. There is no substitute for victory. Douglas MacArthur. They succeed because they think they can. Virgil. It takes 20 years to make an overnight success. Eddie Cantor. Victory has a thousand fathers, but defeat is an orphan. John F. Kennedy. Cyborg cells can survive where normal bacteria can. I think that's cyborg bacterial cells you're talking about then. Yes, Uh, cyborg bacteria. Roboplop. (laughs) Scary a little bit when we start playing God. Eh. So they're using synthetic biology now to engineer semi-living? Well, it depends. They basically, they're different versions. Uh, They say they they will sometimes take actual features of some, let's say, microbes, bacteria specifically, we're talking now, and give them features of other ones. Sometimes they will actually engineer the feature. Sometimes they'll build a new one from scratch. And now they're talking about putting in something uh, bionic, basically. Uh, So in this case, oh, well... Nope, so no, the, no. they they're took, saying they're programmable, programmable, so they're not able to divide. But. Right, now, but they first said because again they really gave a very brief description because they basically said they put in was it a polymer, something, mm-hmm. and that they kind of injected it and the bacteria would eventually start using it, and it would become integrated into its outer cell casing, so it would get like a hardened shell. So in theory, that's what they said they did. But they must have done a lot more because they were saying they could control it and things like that. So 
they basically could, number one, send this to certain places, have it, they could tell it to do certain things they needed it to do. It could survive in environments, high pH, high temperature, pH, low mm-hmm. temperature, that it couldn't survive normally. So they were making almost a robot army, you know, or a robot work crew from these bacteria, but they did say they couldn't reproduce. And which I guess when you're talking semi-alive, you generally say uh, some uh, li- living things can reproduce, self-replicate is the, I think, technical term they use. And these no longer could, but they never said they killed them. Um, which is concerning. So they, they the, the idea is that they have them produce drugs, you know, and yeah. internally, uh, probably vitamins you could have them produce, you know, because of... They just have it set up that you know that's part of their biological function to produce a certain drug or break down. T- right, break down you could plastic. have them do it in environments they knew we couldn't survive. So they break down plastic, store data, which is interesting. Um, what scares me a little bit is as you get a little further in the article, and uh, you know they talk about they adjusted it the cyborg cells to invade lab-grown cancer cells. Oh, that sounds great and wonderful. Uh, uses diagnosed diseases, delivering drugs to treat them. All good stuff. Then it talks about, like I said, surviving in areas that um, other antibiotics could not survive, including, you know, becoming uh, unaffected by antibiotics in any way, shape, or form. So these are, if you could program them to do all these wonderful things you could also program them to i don't know do bad things and if you can't kill them i'm blanking on the name of the famous actor um in what a million things but i'm specifically thinking jurassic park jeff goldblum yeah jeff goldblum because he's the one who kept warning. He's always in movies warning about something. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Jeff Goldblum. That's okay. Go on. So, you know, they could do all these great things and, you know, and nothing could stop them and they're not replicating. But if they're programmed to replicate and they're programmed to do things that aren't good, you know, seems very concerning with this technology being put in the wrong hands. And even if they are never programmed to replicate and they're not programmed to do anything dangerous, I can just see Jeff Goldblum reprising his uh, Jurassic Park screaming, it will reproduce, it will do bad things, nature will find a way. Yeah, no, and, and not that we've had experience as a world lately with something that was created in a lab turning poorly, mm. um, but continued research in this area is concerning. Breaking down plastic, yay, but I think we already found a bacteria that could break down plastic naturally, so why are we trying to program another cyborg bacteria to do Things like this. Hey, what if you even build something to break down, let's say, plastic in this case, and you lose control of it, and it starts eating all the plastic in the world? And you might find this out, but you're in a plane at 30,000 feet, and all of its plastic parts are disintegrating. Not good. Yeah, I don't I don't want to play that game. And I don't mean I... I no, of Star Trek, I didn't watch enough of it, but cyborg bacteria or the actual the cyborgs, didn't they all like... Nanos? Nanobro, yeah, yeah. Nanos. didn't they just like, you know, they try to pretty much eat up every technology and... And, and that, it's been done in the comic books also. The, uh, there was, I think there was a god way back, a Justice League cartoon where there was something like that eating everything. 
this could be 20-something years ago. Yeah, no, it's uh, just great technology concerning... Concerning. It's like a lot of things are just concerning these days. Hey, and you, you mentioned Star Trek, even the, the Ratha Khan, the uh, Genesis device that was supposed to take a dead planet and rebuild it into a living planet. But it would... It would basically do that process, meaning almost like it would go over and take every molecule of the planet and reorganize it into what they wanted it to be. And going, but if you put it on a living planet, everything living there right then is gone because it becomes and part reorganized. of the new reorganized matrix. Ooh. Ooh. All right, things are getting a little creepy and morbid here. considered this a very dangerous secret weapon the Federation was developing. If you have no critics, you'll likely have no success. Malcolm X. Success is never accidental. Jack Dorsey. Doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. Susie Kassman. The best revenge is massive success. Frank Sinatra. People are born to succeed, not fail. Henry David Thoreau. Success is the child of audacity. Benjamin Disraeli. Artificial tongues to make better chocolate. So how are we going to spin that to make it, I mean, a little bit weird. Let's first explain to our listeners uh, what we are talking about here. An artificial tongue? And I don't mean, let's say, kind of uh, some of this, I don't want to use name brands, but some of this vegetarian meat products that's supposed to be better than meat, better than this, that you went into a deli and you saw artificial tongue. Can I have an artificial (laughs) tongue sandwich, please? With mustard? (laughs) The, uh, no, here we're talking a scientific instrument. Uh, it is a basically a computerized tongue with incredible sensors that can taste and judge textures and analyze molecules way better than your nose and tongue combo can. So this can figure out down to the molecular level what is going on in the chemistry of cooking, how you make something to taste its way, but also the texture, and it can do it not just with a static piece of it, but as you're eating, in this case, chocolate, it goes, the the chocolate is changing in your mouth, Mm -hmm. and that's part of the experience, and this tongue can understand it and figure it out. The right combination of fats to sugars to proteins to give that right mouthfeel and delicious flavor. So you're so now the feel. feel. You said the the mouthfeel. Yep. You see, timing is everything, not just what's there. We always know timing is everything because this tongue, in this case, and this is not morbid and creepy, but in this case, the tongue says, "You know what? The way the fats." When you first bite into it and it melts and they change to a creamy texture mm-hmm. and they, they're going through several different textures and that's all part of the experience and it's releasing these flavor molecules. And then it goes, it turns out 
that a very small percentage of the total fat actually takes place in this process. Mm. And then the rest of the fat, now you need a certain percentage of fat for this process to happen. But actually, so you have all this fat throughout the thing and you're just using the fat that when you, uh, is on, it, let's say on the surface as it's melting. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, and the rest of it, it, it just makes you fat. <laughs> it's actually not neat. So if it, now if you lower the percentage throughout, you won't get the experience. Yeah. But knowing this, if you could develop one where the, instead of having this much fat throughout, so you have the fat where you need it, you could just place the fat where you need it. To give that and lower it texture, every place but else. make it You'd healthier. Make that taste the same, that every detail of the experience was the same. But for health reasons, it would be better than low-fat, low-sugar chocolate because every bit of sugar and fat that didn't take part in the experience would be, wouldn't have to be there. Mm, so you get the healthier option in the future that tastes just as good as the unhealthy and option. Heck, everything's just... Because a lot of times when you have like a low-fat cupcake, it's not the flavor. Yeah, it's like, ugh. It's the... Ugh. That's creepy and morbid. But I could just see, first of all... Go, I could, you know, there's got to be a 1950s horror movie, The Artificial Tongue. <laughs> and then you'll even get like the bad actress in the romantic scene. Oh, yeah, they were kissing there, but it was so artificial. You know, and actually, I didn't know that this has been used previously uh, for whiskeys and wines and beers and even teas and juices mm-hmm. for a sweetness evaluation. But this is the first time technology is used. Uh, to understand how chocolate lubricates your mouth. Hmm. Determine fat content. There you go, using fancy words like that. Oh, the, an artificial uh, tongue and lubrication. This yeah, thing's getting really we're weird. Getting, uh, keep it keep it for a general audience. Don't you get creepy. That's my job. But, you know, we've had, that's kind of we touched on at the beginning. Things like this have been used, but like with the wine, they're doing it static. We see which chemicals are where in this wine sitting here. They're, now they moved on to... As it's going, you know, you are tasting it, things move around and change. So we are getting uh, a But now we're using technology to bring joy to the world Mm. for better chocolate for the children. In which case... healthier chocolate. Healthier chocolate so the children don't become fat. And then more people will be eating more chocolate and they'll be less for me. You've just described a dystopian future when there's not enough chocolate for me. Uh, well, we'll have to start. You start hoarding the chocolate now, and then you'll be good for the future. If I could have the entire world corner the chocolate. chocolate market. Oh, by the way, you are not aware of this yet, but in an upcoming episode, don't do it. Don't don't give a hint. No, you can't. Don't I'm tease just saying, anyone. D- don't tell me something I don't want to hear. Let's just say, one day we'll be talking oxytocin is it's all it's cracked up to be. For those who don't remember, oxytocin is the love hormone, and uh, doesn't chocolate supposed to increase levels? The of only oxygen? known food that yeah. increases. That's why people, even who don't like chocolate, when they like are dumped and they're depressed, they suddenly eat chocolate. Even people allergic to chocolate have been known to crave and eat chocolate and get into bad shape. Because it's like a basically drug withdrawal when the oxytocin uh. stops, 
and you go for the chocolate. Well, I, I just for, force-fed my wife like six bars of chocolate till she mm. loved me, so it, it works. That If you look at different chocolate bars' names, you'll see there's a Hershey's Kiss is a little thing. Then there's a great big family bar. <laughs> yeah, let's and say. Just, uh, and then there's those of people who have to deal with Snickers. <laughs> What's wrong with the Snickers? You don't want to get Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mounds bar, there are so we we can't even go down this road. Yeah, Milky Way's not bad. Mm. No, uh, oh, you can go to the Kit Kat Club. Ah, oh, Kit Kats are fun, I guess. Huh. The uh, chunky. <sighs> you never know if that's a compliment or an insult when someone. <laughs> <laughs> the, but back on somewhere close to whatever we were talking about. <laughs> The, uh, we'll talk about oxytocin in an upcoming episode. I like it. Uh, don't give too much away. You know, I want the, uh, our, our listeners to teaser. come back. Yeah, just a teaser. Just enough to give a taste, one might Everyone say. Everyone out there is on the edge of their seat going, when will we get to the oxytocin answer? What episode should I be waiting for? For answer to these and other questions. Tune in next time. Or the time after that. We don't know yet. <laughs> huh. I'll have to wait and find out. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Uh, You know, look, we appreciate you guys, everyone listening, um, and all the uh, positive feedback and comments. If you have any questions, please email us. Uh, please email us at podcast at kinetic k i n e t i q life dot com. Like, subscribe, share, tell friend, tell family. As always, I'm your host Mike Shalvudis, and I am Mark Hertzberg. Until next time, we're out. But wait for it. We're sponsored by Kinetic Renew. Kinetic Renew is a four-round shot of all natural ingredients that deliver some amazing benefits, like improved mental clarity, long and short-term focus, and improved memory and cognition. Plus, Kinetic Renew improves mood with the added benefits of anti-stress and anti-anxiety. Kinetic Renew provides antioxidants and neuroprotection. And all this with no caffeine, no artificial flavors, sweeteners, or colors, and it's only five calories. Kinetic Renew is what you drink to arrive focused and alert, and you won't get that caffeine or sugar crash. Visit KineticLife.com today. That's K-I-N-E-T-I-Q-Life.com. And try it. Use promo code POD1 for a special 30% discount. That's P-O-D and the number one, POD1, for a limited time 30% discount. KineticLife.com. K-I-N-E-T-I-Q-Life.com. Do it now. Give it a try. You're going to love it. The 30% off is for a limited time, so log on now for the savings. Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Life Podcast. Catch a new show every other Thursday. You'll find us everywhere you can listen to a podcast. And remember, be safe, have fun, and go for your dreams. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. All comments, jokes, views, and ideas expressed are those of the hosts or guests and do not represent any company or organizations with whom they may be affiliated. 
Always make sure to consult your own physician before starting any new diet, supplement, or exercise routine. Oh, and there's one more thing. If you're working on something that you really care about, you don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. Steve Jobs.